Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. How are you? Wonderful. If I haven't met you, my name is Mark and it's a great privilege to be here. Um, I'm based at Tableview and it's such a privilege to get to minister. We've just had four salvations at Tableview and... Um, I could, if you're a visitor, we, we celebrate what only Jesus can do. One of them was a young man, and, and we were talking, I was talking about Jesus, and, and I just saw him, he's with his mom, probably 15 years old, I just saw his hand go up like this, and then he realized like this, you know, his eyes went, he was, and he looked at me, and it, it was just a very cool moment of what Jesus, I want to speak today, as Easter is coming, and um, I want to speak about boasting in Jesus. Boasting in Jesus. I love Easter. I really do. I love Easter eggs, hot cross buns. It's the only time of year they can't have no calories in them. Um, public holidays, long days on the beach in Durban. Easter's like the only time you can go to the beach and not get fried if you're there for more than two hours. If you go in Jan, Feb, you come home looking like a different race from a different part of the world. You're burnt. But at Easter, you can stay there the whole day. It's a good time of year to be around and to enjoy life. And we generally go away, so it's great memories. But I've just done a man's funeral on Friday. I'm doing another funeral on Monday. I've had a friend of mine who's 46 a week ago pass away from cancer. Uh, You start thinking about a few things when you start doing funerals. Moses did a lot of funerals. His advice was, number your days are right. Make the most of every day. Actually, life's about 15 minutes if you do the maths with 70 and it's like a watch in the night. It's actually just about 15 minutes. So it makes you think about a few things. And I've realized, and I said to my wife at my funeral, I don't want people to boast about anything other than Jesus. I often find people, and I sit with the family, and there's actually brokenness, and there's pain, and there's broken relationships, so they, what can we say? Even worship sometimes, it can feel like traffic. It's, you've done this before. You, we, we're good at this. It's, oh, the worship leader's a little off key. Mm, Jerry's pants are a bit tight today. Like maybe, no, step out of the traffic, and just take a long, loving look at your God. And realize how glorious his grace is, how majestic his ways are, the life that he gives and the joy that he brings. And I want to read this morning and I want to teach from the end part of Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. I've I've used the scripture, but I don't think I've ever taught through the scripture. And I want to do that in preparing us for Easter. See, these little cards can become, well, that's what our church do and we reach. No, no, no. Easter is glorious because it's the time where people's hearts open up. Easter is glorious because we believe in the gospel. Let me tell you about, can, can I ask you to get your Bibles out? If you've got your Bibles, if you don't, that's fine. We'll put it on the screen. But if you've got your Bibles, you don't need to wave them around, but thank you for that. And, um, but this is the Word of God. I want to say some things about the Bible. The Bible. My normal one's a bit smaller. That's why I'm struggling with this one. I believe the Bible is real. Sitting with my boys this morning, and um, we're talking about Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and their whole fire story. And then we started talking about, Judah asked what I was preaching on. I said I was preaching on the cross of Jesus and this prophecy. And, and he started wanting to understand what was going on. He started wanting to say, well, was it real? And were the nails real? No. You know the amazing thing about this? is that in 1947, uh, uh, they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's a really important find for us as believers. It's the greatest archaeological find of the 20th century. And a thousand scrolls were found. The biggest one was the book of Isaiah. 
And as they discovered these scrolls, they, they do the carbon dating and they went back and they realized these were dated to about 230 or 250 years BC, meaning before Christ. Before Christ, the words we're going to read today were written. And every single word describes his journey. And there is no glorious, more greater glorious encounter in the Old Testament of Jesus than in Isaiah 53. And that should be glorious to the believer. The world and the church agree that this was predating Jesus. This prophecy was of Jesus and written before Jesus, which means for those who haven't placed their trust in Jesus, it's got to shake something. It's got to rattle something. And it's got to move us to a position of actually who is this king. I'm going to read from Isaiah 52 verse 13. Actually, I know you guys have done this a lot with Gabe at table. We haven't done it as much. But I want to ask if we could stand this morning as we read the word of God. And I'm going to ask the spirit of God to come and move amongst us. Because I believe the word of God is powerful and life bringing. See my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred by any human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Verse 1. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by man and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was, upon, was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes him his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. After he has suffered, he will see the light of his life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will satisfy, justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was, uh, was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Thank you for your word, Lord. We read this book like no other. Amen. Amen. This um, message is hard for some to believe. I've got a, a nine-year-old, like I said, he keeps asking questions. He's amazed by Jesus healing the ear of the centurion who came to take him into captivity. He can't, why would you do that? 
Why would anyone do that? They're taking him to a cross, Dad. Why would he do that? And it says in verse 1 of chapter 53, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And this message is not popular and it's largely not popular and most don't accept it because it comes with this knowledge, you can't do it. You know, Nike that became famous in the whole world, so we can do it, just do it. No, the gospel says you can't do it. That cavern that, that you can't cross, that salvation that you need, that sin that's in the way for your way to the Father, you cannot do it. Walk a thousand grannies, all respect to grannies. Walk a thousand grannies across the street. Give all your money away to the poor. Be the nicest guy in the world. Never say a swear word, even if you have a freshie on the golf course. None of that matters and can't get you across the threshold. But Jesus, the gospel says you can't do it. See, my favorite quote, and it was amazing, this funeral I did for the man on Friday, his favorite quote and the thing he's got on the wall is Theodore Roosevelt's quote of the man in the arena. And it's not the critic that counts. And he goes on this journey. It's about the guy that keeps getting back in and blood, sweat, and tears keeps getting back. And he, he's not a timid soul that doesn't know the ecstasy of high moments. And he also knows the low moments. It's that life that's lived where someone keeps getting back in the arena. The only problem with the gospel, the gospel says you can keep getting back in the arena. You just can never win it. You can never have victory. Only in Jesus can you have victory. See, the challenge is it's not about what you've done. It's about what you've been born with. You've been born with a sin problem because of Adam. And you get that. And, and uh, you get that when you have kids. You realize that every little kin, kid doesn't need to be taught how to do naughty things. And they hit their brother with a cricket bat and then deny it. It happens. Not in my house, obviously. I mean, that's not something that would actually happen in my house. But, but people reject Jesus for lots of reasons. Number one, they see the little baby Jesus or the big Jesus on the cross. And they go, well, that guy can barely help himself. Because they haven't seen the truth of the promise and the, the prophecies that have come around him. And they say, well, well, just to love themselves and love the things of the world too much to give that up to make someone else Lord and Savior. I just, I'm not up for that story. Or what about the fact that the gospel is offensive? I'm not talking about the church. The church doesn't need to be offensive. The gospel is offensive. It is. And it defends every reality that I can't do it for myself and neither can you, sir or ma'am. And in a world where it's about what I can do and what I can achieve and what I have pulled off, in this regard, you do need a savior. And it says about Jesus who came, he grew up, like, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Uh, uh, he, Jesus comes to earth in a way that is so foreign to every other kid, and we've preached this a thousand times. I went to watch an under-11 rugby game yesterday as my very short nine-year-old is playing in the under-11 A-team for the first time. And it's like a step up. There is warm-ups and there's coach speeches and then there's a tunnel, the length of this hall that all the big boys in the first team Oaks are shouting his name and I could just see this whole thing is too much for him. And he's under a scum cap going, I want to disappear. And his mates are two foot taller than him, and the opposition probably about four foot taller than him. And, uh, and, and then they start to chant a war cry. And he looks at me like, actually, I thought this was cool. And then they start, they all get on their knees and they start banging the ground and they run through them. This is for an under 11 rugby team. How does Jesus come? The womb of a woman as a baby. It's amazing. It's incredible. I'm not trying to break it down, but Jesus didn't come with fanfare because he came on a mission, not a parade. 
There's a difference. See, we have a parade on our beach. It was awesome, and the airplanes flew past, and a hovercraft got stuck, and uh, army, all that. But you know what didn't happen? I don't think America, England, and the big armies of the world, Japan, China, I don't know, Russia, whoever they are, got together and thought, guys, South Africa, we've got to watch them. I don't think they organized a special union meeting of guys, South Africa, armed power of the world. I don't think they were, that was happening. Why? Because it was a parade and we felt great and people took photos and kids thought it was awesome. But no one's actually going, this is going to change the world. Jesus didn't need a parade. He came with a mission to change the world. He came with the only story that could change the world. And it was amazing. He came under the, wards, the, the watchful eye of the Father, but he came under every disadvantage. They give me a few. Well, number one, he, he came into and part of and came from a paralyzed nation who had been beaten time and time again. It's like, let's choose a savior from those guys. Mm, they keep getting their butts whipped. It doesn't work like that. And then, and then what about, he came in the most uh, vulnerable form of a baby. He, he came to a despised community. Uh, what good can come from Nazareth? I mean, what good can come from Nazareth? And lastly, he, he had no formal education, no rabbinic education that someone would celebrate him. It's like he didn't have the paper to go with the title, to go with the story, and yet he was God, and he chose to forego all those things and forego the parade and forego the lightning bolts and thunder and all the stuff that he could have done. He chose to come. Why? Because at the other side of the story, it says he grew up like a shoot out of dry ground. Why? Because he keeps wanting to do that in lives today. See, we say it about leaders of this world. We say everything about you says something about you. So the way you dress, the way you walk, the, 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 your timeliness of meetings, the way you present yourself, those things are important because it says something about you. Everything about Jesus says something about Jesus. And the way he came says that he wants to keep doing those stories. He keeps wanting to break into stories. The, the underdog, your story and my story, the ones that had no hope and no story. And then it continues about him. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering or sorrows, in other translations, familiar with pain. It's amazing Jesus comes and he doesn't come with, you know, like a, a George Clooney holiday, Hollywood look. He doesn't come with the cool cat, Dean, James Dean kind of vibe. He didn't, he didn't choose anything. He actually comes... In an ordinary way, Easter is about a king who came to die, not a fanfare parade that we throw our name behind but can't change things. Just four things about the cross today and this scripture and the truth of this word that would, I trust, shake us and jolt us. And maybe you've been saved for many years, but I'm telling you, we settle into comfort and we forget the glorious reality of the gospel and the glorious cross that transforms us and changes us. And I've just, like I mentioned, been around death quite a bit recently, and it's nothing like death to shake you. Say, what actually holds you? What do you actually believe? And what are you going to boast of in this life? And the first one is this, is I carry his nails, and I get his healing. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, we all carry in our pockets the nails that crucified Christ. Check your pockets and be reminded that they are there. Hang on to the nails. Let me put it this way. Anyone here... Never committed a sin in your life. You, you, you've never got angry. You've never had a lustful thought over someone else's BMW. Or you've never, I don't know, whatever works for you. Maybe, let, me ask, let me ask the ladies here. Any ladies got a sinless, perfect husband in the room? Anyone? Not. Amazing. Incredible. Because actually the Bible says the same thing. So you guys are on a good wicket. 
Why? Because it says this, he was pissed for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And my boy was getting really angry of these guys this morning who put Jesus on the cross. He says, Dad, why did they put them on the cross? And then I stopped and said, boy, they didn't put him on the cross. I put him on the cross. And boy, you're not going to understand this for a while, but you also put him on the cross. And he died for you. And your brokenness, and your iniquities, and your pain, and your anger. And when we forget that, the gospel just becomes something we do. When we forget that, a passion to tell the story of Jesus to someone in a shop. On, I, I had a really rough day on Wednesday. I had a tough day. But then I popped in. I was driving and I popped into a surf shop in our town, in our area. And I got talking to a guy. And next minute I'm there for an hour. I'm going back later that day. I took my boy there because a man opened up his heart. And, and eventually he says, I'm going to come to church Sunday. So I'm like, that's awesome. This is the best thing that could have happened today. And he says, but what do I wear? And I was wearing this, something like this, and a, and a hoodie, a cap. He says, well, I wear this. I'll drop the cap because some people struggle with it. He says, no, but for church. He realized we've got to help people. We've got to take time to process and help. And, and he realized that actually, let's get all the stuff out the way. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see Jesus because he has the same story as I had. He has a child that they told would be Down syndrome. And, and there was... And, and he came out well with us stuff, and, and we end up sharing stories. Why? Because I want that guy to know Jesus, because down the line, eternity is a reality. My friend passed away at 46 years old. It's too young. And I can get really broken and down about that, and there is a time for mourning. But you know what? He knew Jesus. He'll spend eternity with Jesus. I don't grieve for his eternity. I grieve for his family. I mourn for the pain that they will experience now, but I don't grieve for eternity. He knows Jesus. And last month, I was in a city called Istanbul. 4,000 believers in a city of 18 million people. 4,000. See, the cool thing is, all the believers could get in one big room, 4,000, and they're going, awesome, church is pumping. Look, I filled the room. Yeah, but your city's not full of believers. Your city's full of people who don't know Jesus. And guys, heaven and hell is real. I believe the word of God and the word of God says heaven and hell are real. See, Jesus comes and Tim Keller puts it this way. He did not come with a sword in his hands. He came with nails in his hands. He did not come to bring judgment. He came to bear judgment. I love that. Carry on. Point number two, there's suffering in the cross because the cross brings victory over suffering. And don't believe the promise that there won't be suffering in this life. No, the Bible says there will be suffering in this life. There are going to be trials. But here's what the greater promise is in verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. But later you see the why. Verse 11, after he had suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Everyone suffers. 
Everyone experiences pain or loss. We keep trying to live pain-free lives and we'll medicate it and we'll move country to country trying to run away from pain and we'll move city to city and suburb to suburb because we think somehow we can hide from pain. You can't hide from pain on the side of eternity. You just can't. So rather find the one who can get you through it than find victory in it and give you peace in the midst of the pain. And I'm chatting this lady because I don't know this man. I'm doing the funeral. I'm saying, tell me about your brother. She starts telling me all his accolades and all the things he's done. That, that's awesome. And then I said, tell me about your family. She starts telling me a story when he's nine years old and he broke a pencil and his dad, when in a fit of rage, went in his room and broke everything in his room. And she starts to weep. She, she's been safe since she was 18 years old, but there's pain in the story because her brother never got over that moment. And then the gospel can come in and Jesus comes into that moment and says, actually, I bore your pain. I bore your pain. He bears your pain. And believe it, we can be so much about the mission, what God has, but he wants to bear your pain today. You got pain? Come to Jesus. It's not a Christian saying. It's the promise of his word. There, there is pain in this story. I wish I could tell I wish my, the days my wife has pain, the days I pray, Lord, Rather give it to me because I'm better with pain. And I prayed for other people sometimes. And I prayed for my friends. But Jesus said, I died so that where pain would rule your life, the Prince of Peace will reign. Because pain will not reign in your life. He says, and bore our suffering. John 16, Jesus says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have trouble and suffering, but take courage, I have conquered the world. We're going to have some challenges. We're going to have some challenges. We're going to have some trials. Some things aren't going to go away. But peace is glorious. I sat with a man the other day. He's got millions in the bank. He's got everything seemingly going from, but he has no peace. To sleep, he has to medicate himself every night. A young man said, my friend, you've got many things. You don't have peace. And the only one who can do that for you is Jesus. Oh, but I, I take this pill at this. I say, you can live by pills. Or you can allow a savior to change your life. You got pain from the past, disappointment to others. Or maybe I sat with another man who's wrestling one of the deaths that I'm dealing with. I said, my friend, I, I love you. But you haven't for, you've forgiven everyone else. But your chain around your leg is the fact that you can't forgive yourself. Until you forgive yourself, you can't move forward. If Jesus paid the price to not forgive yourself is arrogance. Third reason, and that I love the scripture, so that deformed sons could become reformed, deformed sinners could become reformed sons. Here's the reality, sin deforms and sin is real and we all have a sin problem so we need a glorious savior and I am a son, I don't identify as a sinner but I do have a tendency to do silly things. I really wanted to jump the red robot right here because I was late for here. Michael knows, he was there. And, but, but sin deforms. Had a friend in class or school for many years from standard two to standard nine. And we were great friends. And I used to go stay at their house and a whole bunch of things until one day I could see something wasn't right. I said, what's going on? 
And in Standard 9, I remember standing on DHS school grounds as he told me his father's had an affair, left the house, and the mother is shattered. And week after week, I watched him degrade. I watched him go from a, a 90s mathematics student with the world at his feet to someone who barely passed standard grade in matric. Then he disappeared. I didn't know where he'd got until years later. I bumped into him at about 22. All his teeth were rotten. He looked 10 years older than he was. I said, what happened? He says, no, after my dad, I fell apart. I couldn't find peace. I couldn't navigate the tragedy that happened. So I went to drugs, driving one night. His best friend dies in a car accident. He was driving, ends up in house arrest. Under house arrest becomes a cocaine addict, crack addict. You could see it all over his face. Why? Because sin deforms. But I want to tell you about the Savior who says this about, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond any of that any human being and his form marred beyond any human likeness. My perfect Savior left the perfection of heaven to become disfigured and deformed so that every deformation in me can be formed again in Christ. Because there are deformations in me. And as a father, I'm seeing little things in my kids of fears that creep in and little things that grip and rip apart. I'm going, no, Jesus is going to get inside of there if you allow him. And he, he allowed himself to become deformed on that cross so that every one of us with deformations in our life could find the formation of Christ again. You need it and I need it. Because here what comes, here's what comes with life. Hard knocks. It's one of the greatest discipleship tools, actually. It comes with the territory. But when we allow Jesus in every one of those moments to redeem and restore, he'll fashion a son or a daughter out of that. Will you allow him? See, even here, we, let's be honest, we all get good at putting on masks on certain things, and we, we have areas of deformation, so we cover them up. Met with someone the other day, and I've always wondered why they wear their hair a certain way until I realized that there's a deep gash, and so they cover it with hair. But deeper gashes are deep in our souls that Jesus wants to get inside, and he wants to heal. He doesn't want to just get us better at covering them up, and the gospel can do that. That's why Easter is important. You know what that happens is we get used to where we're at and the deformations we get used to, and we get used to navigating them. I've got my little boy, Judah. He's that kid. You take him to one beach, the surf is good. He thinks it's going to be like that every day. So you wake up the next day, we go to that beach, Dad. I'm like, boy, there are 15 beaches. So I intentionally take him to another beach. He goes, this is awesome. We go to this beach, boy. See, we get like that with ourselves. We think we've reached the pinnacle. This is the beach of our lives. It's at this level of healing. And we say, we're going to go back here. Jesus says, I've got so much more for you. I want to get into those caverns. I want to get into that brokenness. I want to get in there. I want to take you on the adventures. And lastly, I was boasting about you this week. Sitting with Rory Dye. Telling about my friend Gerard and what Jesus has done in his life. Easy to boast about you. Because I'm boasting about what Jesus has done. Sorry. And then the scripture that I struggle with says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. I see the will of the Lord in the scripture as one, a will to crush his son, 
and allow him to be crushed and another to prosper him. As a father of boys and any children, I, I struggle with the concept. My mind cannot fathom it. I can't get over it. But when I know what Christ achieved on that cross and what the Father and the God achieved on that cross so that broken sinners could become sons of God, could navigate the chasm that nothing else could navigate, that that blood spilt and that crown that disfigured him upon his head poured down. I go, God, if that was the only way, thank you. If that scripture and the concept of a father's will to crush his son doesn't tear you apart, then if you're a parent, go to your child and take their head in your hand and put your hands upon his head and even put an ounce of pressure. And you'll quickly find yourself stopping. But the gospel says it was a father's will to crush his son. Why? For your iniquities, for your pain, for my brokenness, so that sons and daughters of God could be revealed. And as we come to Easter, I suppose this is the question, what's your boast? We, we default, uh, Facebook, I, I, am a, I'm a, I love people. I was in a marketing world, so I watch people. I'm a pastor, so I'm, I give my life to people. Facebook is like a mind freak sometimes. As it's an insight, and I watch people like accolade after accolade and selfie. I'm going, actually, the gospel says none of that matters. Let's boast in Jesus. Let's boast in Jesus. You see, this scripture, see Galatians 6, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. To boast only in Jesus. To trust only in Jesus. See, this scripture is calling us to come back and look and boast in our king that our chains have been shattered, that the enemy has been disarmed, that death has been unstinged, that hell has been shut up, that sin has been shackled, the wrath of God has been satisfied, the curse removed, that all our enemies have been sub subdued by heaven's champion. And he's delivered me from all my fears. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Easter is about. This is what we live. This is our song and this is our boast. And I want to get it. I carry his nails. I also carry his healing. You need he healing, sir or man? Be reminded of the nails of Jesus Christ. There is suffering, and he suffered so that we can have victory in suffering. He died on that cross so that deformed sinners could become reformed sons. And it was all in the will of a glorious father. It's got to move us. It's got, it's got to shape us. It's, it's got to change the reason we make the decisions we make. It's got to change the what we give our life to. It's got to change the why we live our lives the way we do. It's got to change the way we engage and the reason we forgive our enemies because Jesus healed his enemies. It's got to get so deep down inside that the gospel is just not something we do on the weekends. The gospel isn't a handle we have. The gospel isn't a guidance tool on how we give life. The gospel isn't just even a grid to live a good life. The gospel is someone who's remembered that I'm just a broken person who outside of the love of Jesus would still be broken. But actually, in his love and in his grace, he makes me whole. He pours his love upon me and he brings me into relation with the glorious Father. And then what I get to do, I get to tell other people about it. I get to share it. I get to give it away. It's not even mine to give. I get to be a part of that, and so do you.
See, these little cars, they, they could just be a church trick. <laughs> oh, church growth strategy. Oh. Or we really do love Jesus. And we dare really do celebrate that when one 15-year-old boy sitting next to his mom puts his hand up and then gets surprised that he's put his hand up and he looks at me, I'm going, God, forever let him be changed by your grace and your glory. And if everything that we've done all year, all decade is for that one salvation, it's all worth it. Can we close our eyes, please? I'd love to pray with us. And Jesus, I look at this invite card, and it's not our design, but someone clever designed something simple where a cross equals love. I pray for us as believers, just your word. Your word would move us this morning. Your word would shape us and bring us to realization that there's nothing more glorious than our king. That we are believers in the glorious gospel. That for us, you were despised. Where we should be despised, you were, so that we didn't have to be. That where you were rejected, we don't have to be when we approach the throne of grace. And you came as a man of sorrows. I don't think there'll ever be a Marvel Comics movie called The Sorrowful Man because it's not something celebrated in this world, but yet you bore my sorrows, my pain, my brokenness and gave me victory and gave me peace and you give it to every child of God today. I pray for the hurting today. Meet them, Jesus, please. I pray for maybe some stuck in apathy. And I pray, allow your gospel to get so deep down inside that we cannot stay silent or still anymore. And move us. Silence the lies of the enemy this time so that freedom and joy and liberty would be our portion. Oh, you love your people, God. And we as your people say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your cross that shapes us. Shape us again by the wonder and the glory and the majesty and the gruesome reality and the fact that it's your love that pulled and it's the Father's grace and love that pulled us to this place. We worship you, Jesus, and we give you all praise and all honor and all glory at this time. Amen.